Welcome to Insurance Claims Innovation. I am Chris Tidball, Executive Claims Consultant with Second Look, where we routinely find our insurance clients millions of dollars. On our podcast, we showcase others in the insurance claims arena who are using cutting-edge technology to gain a competitive advantage. We believe that all of our guests have a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show and we will reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Welcome to Insurance Claims Innovation. Today we have Gary Wickert, partner in the law offices of Matthias and Wickert and Lehrer, joining us on our program. Gary is one of the foremost subrogation attorneys in the industry, and it is a pleasure to welcome him. Hello, Gary. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Great, great. And yourself? Excellent. Thank you. So, so I've been in the business a long time, and I think you've been in the business longer than me because I remember reading your stuff you know, 25 <laughs> years ago. Um, how did you get into the insurance subrogation space? Yeah, let's not talk about how long we've been doing this. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it, it's an interesting story, Chris, because I uh, actually I attended law school, South Texas Law School in, in uh, Houston, and uh, I would, had the distinction of all the uh, new graduates um, always share their, their, the jobs they get and their salaries. And back then, uh, I had the highest paying salary of any graduate from my law school because I got picked up by a, a plaintiff's firm, a very well-known plaintiff's firm in Houston. Of course, at that time, $40,000 was top of the line. <laughs> and I, I uh, went to work for um, and worked with uh, a personal injury lawyer down there working with John O'Quinn, who uh, John was uh, one of the best trial lawyers who ever lived, more $100 million verdicts than any other lawyer on the cover of Forbes magazine twice has the largest or had the largest, he's gone now, the largest uh, uh, private auto collection, even outshining that of Jay Leno's. So I, he taught me one thing. He taught me how to try a lawsuit. And what I noticed in, in collecting uh, a lot of money for our clients was that uh, the insurance companies, subrogated carriers, work comp carriers who buy statute and by principle were entitled to recover money back in order to hold down premiums for small businesses across Texas and the rest of the country were actually getting screwed because um, they nobody was speaking up for them. Uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars in work comp liens were just getting wiped out by me with a single letter. And I realized that uh, they were being taken advantage of and nobody was fighting for them. So I left that job, went to a small firm and uh, took on a small caseload of uninsured motorist files. Uh, and from there, uh, started taking on more insured work, property, auto, work comp, uh, fidelity bonds, health. And uh, well, that's it. we spread from Texas to surrounding states. We started up a claims association there uh, in Houston. And uh, I was actually working on a national claims association around the same time that Jeff Bale was organizing NASP, the National Association of Subrogation Professionals. And he and I talked and I said, well, look, if you've got the energy, you go ahead and do it. So Jeff, uh, ended up uh, organizing that uh, that group but 
So that's how I got my start. Yeah, that's a, it's, a, it's a great story. Um, so, you know, you, you've been in the business a long time and, you know, you get to see what challenges are out there. And it seems like the environment's getting more and more challenging for, for insurers and, and adjusters. What do you think the greatest challenges facing adjusters is today? Subrogation, and, and it's it's funny because these days we all kind of look at the politics that's driving the country and some of the crazy things going on, and we go, well, at least at least in the world we work in, we're we're free of that. Well, we really aren't. Um, subrogation itself has become a victim of politics. Uh, one side of the aisle is interested in in protecting injured plaintiffs, injured workers. Uh, and plaintiffs and the other side is interested in making sure that insurance companies and their insureds um, get their money back so that the premiums can be held down because as we both know premiums are one of the largest costs of doing business so you you've got an ongoing civil war with the trial lawyers who have a tremendous lobby and every year they make segregation a little more difficult that trend is continuing. Um, I, I often have the nightmare of waking up one day and uh, Congress outlaws subrogation. I mean, I, 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 can, I can see that concept being debated and even some, even some conservative uh, lawmakers tend to think, well, what, they don't even understand what subrogation is or the value to society. So they sometimes think, well, we'll go ahead and, and, and outlaw that or, or make subrogation more difficult because, well, heck, it's just another frivolous lawsuit. So um, one of the challenges for us is going to be to educate, uh, educate lawmakers, educate judges, educate policymakers. I've written to every single legislator in the Georgia legislature every year for the past 10 years, um, pleading with them to please take a look and understand how their work comp subro statute hurts Georgia businesses. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a long process. I also think, Chris, that subrogation is becoming very, very complex. Unlike a lot of other lines of insurance, if you, have a, if you don that subrogation hat, you are now responsible for understanding and keeping abreast of laws in all 50 states, laws in all 51 different jurisdictions, law that, laws that change sometimes daily. The subrogation books that we've written, I hate to even say it, but the moment they hit the press, the moment they're released and they smell fresh and you get them in the mail, they're already outdated. So it's a very challenging um, uh, task to keep current with the changing laws and more importantly, the changing obstacles to subrogation. So I, and combined with that, I think we are, are seeing sort of a lack of, of subrogation education, which I commend you and Second Look for um, really pushing forward with. We try to do it as well. And finally, maybe a lack of compensation uh, incentives for those overworked claims adjusters who now have to not only adjust a claim, but also become a plaintiff's lawyer and uh, recognize subrogation and take action on it and actually make a recovery. Yeah, it's it, it's tough. I think sitting at the adjuster's desk these days is is probably you know tougher than it's ever been. I mean, there's there's so many expectations from carriers and from from customers, and then you you're constantly dealing you know with with bad faith ramifications 
vacations in, in certain jurisdictions. And, you know, it seems at some point something's got to give, you know, we, we go through a lot of files and, you know, we're like, how did, how did the adjuster miss the subrogation on this? It was so straightforward. And, you know, a lot of them aren't, a lot of them are very complex and, you know, they, they, you know, take a tremendous amount of experience, but a lot of just low hanging fruit is there. And, and it, it just dawns on you that, you know, these adjusters are just, they're so busy. They're so inundated that something just has to give. Right. Um, you had mentioned, you know, one time when we were talking a while back that that four of your five largest subrogation recoveries were on files that had been closed with no subrogation potential. Can, can you share, you know, some one of those stories? Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I tell this this factoid at, at seminars that we give. In fact, I just spoke to um, the Cottingham Butler National Conference last week in Dubuque. And mentioned this fact, and and I think people were shocked. Um, and it's it's sort of anecdotal because, um, in order to pursue subrogation, you have to recognize it. Uh, I the name of your 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 concern, second look, really says it all. And sometimes even a third look is necessary. Uh, we were uh, we used to go to um, London and to the Lloyd's Claim Center quarterly. And we would give seminars there and we do file reviews. And sure enough, uh, the entire London market had pretty much not even scratched the surface on subrogation potential until about the mid 1980s. And uh, we did some file reviews there and we discovered that there were a lot of subrogation was being missed. And for some reason, the, you're right, four of the largest five recoveries we've ever had, and they've both been in the, uh, the eight-figure range um, were on files that were clearly marked, no recovery potential, no subrogation. Look, there's a waiver here or there's indemnity here, so there's no opportunity for recovery. And yet we made recoveries and large recoveries in, in four large files where nobody gave it a second look. Wow. That's, uh, I mean, that's that's, you know, Unbelievable. I mean, it's it's, you know, one of the th one of those things that just you know drives home you know you know what we do really right. I mean, we're we're constantly looking at at second and to your point, third looks, fourth looks. We had one where we're we're going in number four, and we we've, we've found over a hundred thousand dollars missed by three other people. It's uh, you know, and and that's really not an aberration, unfortunately. Uh, you know, one of the things as we're going through files, you, you tend to come across things that are really kind of funny. You're like, you know, sometimes you're scratching your head. How did you miss this? But other times you're reading through the claim notes and you just start laughing. You know, the, the circumstances are so funny. What, what's the funniest subrogation story you have? Well, you know, it's I'll, I'll be honest with you. Subrogation has a bad rap. Uh, a bad rep because people tend to think, well, okay, so you're subrogating against, uh, you know, in an auto's intersection collision, and it's really not very sexy. Um, I, to the contrary, we've had some amazing, amazing subrogation episodes over the last few decades. Um, we had a case involving, uh, it was a workers' compensation claim, a death claim in the Gulf of Mexico where our ship capsized. And we had one employee actually video another employee being attacked by a bull shark uh, and use that as evidence 
um, in in that case, we've we've taken the deposition of um, things that I can talk about. Mick Jagger involving the Altamont uh, incident. Um, Ozzy Osbourne, who just from a, a typical taxi accident and uh, damages involving major major motion pictures, concerts, M MLB and NFL players. But I think the one that stands out is. I'll go back to February or March of 1996. There was an explosion uh, that destroyed downtown Tampico, Mexico. It's in the state of uh, Tampalupas, which is just south of the southern tip of Texas. I was practicing in Texas at the time, and Lloyd's and the lead underwriter, Commercial Union, had me up there for a file review. And this is one of those files that indicated there was no subrogation recovery because it was Mexico. And I said, no, 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 that's not the case. So uh, what had happened was a tanker loaded with petrol owned by a company called Auto Liquidos uh, out of Tampico was driving and collided with two locomotives and destroyed $5 million worth of trains and half the town. Uh, Auto Liquidos was found criminally liable uh, and this is a large company with hundreds of employees. And so we filed suit to recover for the damage. Um, our insured was Ferrocarriles Nacionales de Mexico, which is the National Railroad of Mexico. They wanted to get their $5 million back for the trains. Now, the cool thing about Mexico is that if you are found criminally liable, you are automatically civilly liable, something I think we ought to do here, by the way. It's a much lower standard. <clears throat> And, uh, but this company uh, and, and litigating in Mexico is extremely frustrating. They have something called Ampero proceedings, which delay for years, a simple subrogation case. So this case outlasted several judges down there and there's no bankruptcy in Mexico. So this company only just fought and fought and fought. We finally got a judgment. Uh, it took a year to convert the judgment from pesos to dollars. And we finally got an order allowing us to seize trucks of this large trucking company down south of Tampico. Um, we scheduled a trip down there. I had to be in trial. So I, my, my partner, Doug Lair, and his wife wasn't happy about this. He had to go down he, uh, to help with uh, the, the attachment and the, the seizing of, of trucks. He had private security guards with him. Uh, we, we, went down there and they were confronted with hundreds of employees chaining themselves to the front gates. There was, there were gunshots fired. So we had to come, we had to reconnoiter and we came back with 40 Mexican police. Again, they chained themselves to the gates. Shots were fired. It made Mexican national news, but ultimately we ended up receiving, I'm sorry, uh, seizing uh, their accounts receivable in their trucks and, we ended up recovering 80% of, of the, the client's loss. And the funny thing is throughout the whole thing, Doug was just hiding behind a truck way, way in the back. <laughs> <laughs> so don't, don't ever tell me subrogation is boring because it, it certainly isn't. No, it, it, it's not. Now, you know, you shared with me earlier an interesting article that you had recently written on, uh, on subrogation mistakes. You know, can you share a couple of those mistakes that are, that are often made? Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> this is um, it's it's a it's a little bit humbling because Chris, unlike you, 
I, I've, I've never really worked within the insurance industry. I've been a lawyer since I got out of law school back in 1983. Uh, I wrote this article because over the course of four decades next year, I have noticed a recurring number of mistakes that are very costly to the industry and they are constantly repeated. Um, and I, I wrote the article called 10 Subrogation Mistakes That Insurance Companies Keep Making. And I presented it a number of years ago at the Executive Summit Conference in Connecticut. And this is a, a conference of uh, insurance executives. These are the, the, no, the, the movers and shakers of the industry, the CEOs, the claims you know, uh, managers and the, the, the higher ups. I, I got kind of a cold reception because it was sort of like, why are you telling me how to run my insurance company? But by the time I was done, uh, they were coming up to me and saying, how, how can we prevent that third mistake? I, I recognize now that that does happen within our firm. So the mistake, the, the, the article and, and the presentation is actually a collection of 10 things that people do wrong. And it's in the order of frequency that we have seen it committed over the last 40 years and the severity of it. How much does it cost the industry in subrogation recoveries? And I can briefly go through them. They're, they're, num sure. The number one um, and number two mistakes are the ones that really are costing the most money. The number one is delay of game penalty. A number of insurance companies, they wait too long before they involve subrogation counsel uh, and, and we both know that there are notice dates in, in, the, in Texas, for example, the city of Austin requires 30 days notice. Um, so uh, statutes are running, witnesses are disappearing. So delay of game penalty, which is waiting too long to involve subrogation counsel. Number two, and this is where second look plays such an important role. I call it the hot cup of McDonald's coffee mistake, failure to recognize third-party liability. Um, that is a chief offender, and that is where companies like Second Look come in and help insurance companies recognize that liability. Number three is uh, the parable of the pebbles. It, there's a parable that goes with it, but it, basically it's a lack of timely and thorough subrogation investigation. You have to make subrogation an investment. If you don't, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. And it's, it's actually a very good wager. Uh, you, want to, you want to make an investment in something. Invest in subrogation. It's got a great return. Number four, getting what you pay for. Um, be careful. Don't use cut rate vendors and the lowest bidders in, in terms of experts, in terms of even subrogation vendors, because you're going to get what you pay for. Subrogation is hard work. One of the reasons that uh, there's so much is missed is that it's often disguised as hard work, guy in overhauls carrying a lunch pail. Subrogation is hard work. Um, number five, sleeping with the enemy. Don't rely on plaintiff's counsel. We talked about to, to protect your interests. We talked earlier about that civil war and how politics plays a role. Trial lawyers are gonna do anything and everything they can to prevent you from recovering your money. Number six, Detecting and curing subrogation cancer, that's a failure to discover indemnities that might destroy recovery potential or waivers of subrogation. Number seven, sharing the good news. This is giving notice to carriers, governmental entities, and product manufacturers. Often that's not done very timely. 
Number eight is crossing state lines for moral purposes, which is the multi-jurisdictional opportunities and the pitfalls that uh, we fall into because we don't recognize that just because the claim is paid in Texas and the accident happened in, Jackson, in, in Georgia, for example, you have the opportunity to apply Texas law to, to your subrogation claim. Um, and if we think about it, that actually gives us the advantage because sometimes we pick the state in which benefits, I'm talking comp now, are paid. Sure. Number nine, stepping over dollars to pick up dimes. Don't waive your lien just because it makes subro go away when the subrogation claim is 10 times as valuable as the underlying comp claim. And then lastly, subrogation in the Flat Earth Society, which is hiring the right expert. If you don't have the right expert, somebody who can testify isn't going to be uh, eliminated under Daubert from testifying. You want somebody who's going to give you the information and the opinions that you need to recover. So that I, I, I got a, a cold reception to begin with when because it seemed like I was criticizing the hand that feeds me. But ultimately, everybody realized that these are some things that we all can work on. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's very true. I mean, there's there's a tremendous amount of opportunity in claims. And I think, you know, the companies that that recognize that, th those are the ones that are going to become the industry leaders, right? They, they are out in front of everything. They recognize that there are opportunities. We don't do everything perfectly. And money does get left on the table. And I think, you know, they're those companies that that really focus on that are, are going to be, you know, emerge as, as you know, leaders. Um, you know, things are changing at a, at a really rapid rate in the industry. Um, as it pertains to subrogation, you know, what do you think is going to happen over the next five to 10 years? Well, you mentioned um, that article that I sent over to you. Um, and if, if your readers and listeners are interested, it, it's a great example of something that we're not thinking about right now, but it's it's knocking on our door. And that is subrogation is going to be more complex with the onset of, of autonomous driving vehicles. And I just bought a car that uh, uh, the dealer drove that this model car from uh, Wa Waukesha, Wisconsin to Washington, DC without touching the steering wheel. Um, we're not, we don't have fully autonomous vehicles yet but we are fast approaching that. So the article, which is the age of George Jetson is here, um, really talks about the fact that subrogation of even something as simple as a fender bender. And of course, these fender benders make up the bulk of subrogation claims, not the big claims like the ones, the, the fun ones we're talking about, right. but the intersection collisions. So um, these are now gonna become not simply, when did you see the other vehicle who had the red light? they're going to become complex product liability claims because some of the autonomous features on those vehicles is su are suddenly going to transform this into product liability cases where now experts are needed. The, the, the sensor failed or uh, the vehicle wasn't reading the road correctly or there was some computer malfunction. Now it's not going to be a simple... Uh, task of subrogating a $2,300 collision loss, but it's going to be a battle of experts. And that, of course, raises the cost of doing subrogation. And as you and I both know, the only effective subrogation is cost-effective subrogation. So that's going to be a huge challenge. Um, go ahead. 
Yeah, I, th I think you're right. I mean, I, I, um, I've been following a company out of Massachusetts called Terrafugia, and they, they are the future of flying cars. I, I mean, and, and you can order these today. Starting price, you know, to get one on, you know, on the waiting list is $250,000. So, yeah, I mean, these cars are going to be flying through the air, running into each other. And yeah, it's no longer going to be, you know, carrier A versus carrier B. It's, it's going to be, you know, that $100,000 part in the car, right? It's, it's, it's going to be tremendously expensive, I think, um, you know, as we, as we go, you know, forward. Right. And just, it's interesting and coincidentally, you mentioned Terrafugia. I received a call inquiring about a, uh, an accident that happened involving one of their vehicles, which is, I think, called a TFX. And it's a, a road, roadable aircraft. Right. And it's really cool. <laughs> but it, it also brings now more complex issues. We have a division that handles aviation losses. And they're extremely complex and they're extremely expensive. Um, and we try to ex to streamline it. But now if you're going to have flying cars and, and now you're going to have aviation rules that have to be followed, then uh, it, it, it does increase the complexity a lot. Yeah, it de definitely. I think it's going to be a, an interesting, uh, interesting next decade for sure. So, so, Gary, this has been very informative. I want to thank you for coming on as a guest. Um, if you would like to appear on Insurance Claims Innovation, head on over to secondlook.net and hit the podcast button. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, let me pause. Thank you for listening to Insurance Claims Innovation. Are you interested in being a guest on our show? We would love to have you. Visit us at go.secondlook.net slash podcast dash guest. Please share Insurance Claims Innovation with others on social media and provide rave reviews about our guests. The goal of Insurance Claims Innovation is to showcase others in the insurance claims arena who are using cutting-edge technology to gain a competitive advantage. Follow us at Insurance Claims Innovation and subscribe to our podcast. You can also follow us on LinkedIn at Second Look Inc. Interested in learning more? Stop by our website at www.secondlook.net. Again, thank you for joining us today. My name is Chris Tidball, and I hope you found this to be time well spent.